Warning, this show is about true crime and its contents may not be appropriate for children. This is the Crimecasters Network with Alicia Sophias and Ronnie Dahl, two rogue reporters breaking newsroom rules to take you behind the crime scene tape. The story we have for you this week, Crimecasters, is every parent's worst nightmare. But there is hope because the victims in this case can likely still be saved. And one of you listening today, you may have the tip that leads to their rescue. We hope. We are talking about two beautiful little girls, nine-year-old Hannah and seven-year-old Skye, who were kidnapped just more than two years ago. Their father says he knows in his heart they are still alive, and he devotes every day of his life to finding his two princesses. Before we get into the specifics of this case, to give you an idea, let me just read part of a letter John Rex recently wrote to his daughters. He says, There's plenty of kids in the neighborhood and at school you'll be going to that are waiting to meet you. There's plenty of presents from your birthdays and Christmas waiting to be unwrapped. There's Disney princesses waiting for you to join them for lunch. There's parks and playgrounds waiting to be explored. And there's lots of love waiting for you at home. If you can safely do so, please tell people who you are and tell them you're missing so we can find you with all the love in the world, Daddy. Gosh, it's so hard to hear. So we're going to hear from him a little bit later, and it's one of the most heartbreaking interviews. So I have to say, have some tissues and don't listen to this while you're shopping in Target because you're going to be crying. Yes. Alicia, I didn't realize until this case, the unbelievable number of kids that go missing in our country. What's supposed to happen is when a child is reported missing to law enforcement, federal law requires that the child be entered into the FBI's National Crime Information Center known to some law enforcement agencies as NCIC, ATF, we always called it NICS. Last year alone, the number of entries for missing juveniles in the NICS was, are you ready for this number? 337,195. It almost blew me over when I saw that. It is a staggering number, and it's a good launch point for our story. Let's rewind a few years to 2017. John Rex and his wife, Lashada Lee's marriage is on the rocks. That year, Rex files for divorce. Pretty quickly, it's obvious this isn't going to be one of those drama-free divorces because they have two young daughters, Hannah and Skye, and the fight for custody begins. Over the next three years, it drags out and is full of he said, she said, but they do their best to shield the kids from the worst of it. Until Lashada senses the custody decision may not be going in her favor, and she makes serious claims against Rex. He's blindsided, but fully cooperates with the investigators who look into the allegations. They evaluate his living situation, his work, his family, his friends, and even his state of mind with several psychological examinations. Eventually, all of the experts told the courts there was no basis for the claims against him, no evidence of anything but a loving father who wanted the best for his girls. 
It's about that time Rex says he notices some odd behavior from his ex, behavior that will escalate in the coming months. You know, it's easy to look back at this time and say there were some serious red flags, but hindsight is easy like that. In the fall of 2019, Lashada unexpectedly moves from Maryland to Waynesboro, Pennsylvania without any explanation. The parents are in a temporary shared custody situation pending the outcome of the final ruling. So the girls are going back and forth from mom to dad. It's one of those trips with dad that he finds out mom has put a monitoring software on the kids' tablets that can track where they are and what they're doing at all times. Then he learns she bought them two new duplicate tablets and tells the girls, don't tell daddy about this. Nothing completely alarming, but Rex has this really weird feeling there's something more to it. And with reason, because after driving 14 hours to pick up his daughters in February 2020, Rex pulls up to their meeting spot outside the local police station, which is encouraged and standard. He waits and waits, but she and the girls are a no-show. Police investigate and determine everyone is safe. Lashada just didn't want him to take them. Another big, huge red flag. And then comes March 2020, and we all know what happens then. A global pandemic, anyone? Oh, my gosh. This is part of the pandemic I think a lot of people have not thought about it, and that's the lockdown. It affected everyone and everything, including the family court system. Exactly, because the final custody hearing for them is scheduled for the end of March. Rex prays and prays that these COVID restrictions will lift and the courts will magically reopen, but we all know how that turned out. So their lawyers are filing motions and in comes word that the hearing is postponed until November. And that's heartbreaking because everyone is just waiting for this outcome. With that gut punch comes a ray of sunshine for Rex, though. A judge weighs everything and rules dad will get sole custody of the girls until that final hearing that fall. Rex jumps in his car. It's nighttime, but nothing can stop him. He's only 14 hours away from what he hopes is the beginning of a life full-time with his little princesses. As he's driving, he's texting his ex to tell her what time GPS says he'll arrive. I'll be at the police station at 9 o'clock. But she doesn't respond. He tries again. Traffic. It looks like I will be closer to 920. Still, no response. At this point, he's getting a bad feeling in the pit of his stomach. He tries to push it away and think of all of the things he and his girls are going to do together. But when he arrives to the meeting spot, it's empty. Again, he waits and waits for about an hour. Then he drives to her apartment, and when he pulls up, her car is gone. Now that pit in his stomach turns into more of a full-body panic. He calls police to report his kids are now missing. The thing about it was he was afraid this would happen. A few months before, he confides in his attorney that Lashada is acting strangely and may run off with the kids if she doesn't get her way. His lawyer brushes it off at the time, but now his worst fear has come true. It's March 17th, 2020. At first, everyone tells Rex there's hope. 
I mean, statistics are on his side. At least 97% of missing children return safely. But since mom took the kids, he doesn't feel like investigators are doing enough. No Amber Alert. Not much of an investigation at first. The attitude seems to be, uh, she'll show up. The Amber Alert situation really surprises me. But the reality of the situation is she doesn't turn up. Rex turns into his own investigator. He starts with her car. He runs the VIN number every day to see if it will turn up. A few weeks in, he gets a hit. The car is now for sale at a Mitsubishi dealership in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Not good, because now he doesn't know what vehicle she is driving. After a long 77 days, prosecutors move forward with charges against Lashada Lee, making her now a wanted fugitive. A hundred days in, the U.S. Marshals steps in. They have an impressive track record of finding suspects. Upon meeting Dad, one of the Marshals tells him, don't worry. With them on the case, there won't be another 100 days of its girls missing. Yeah, and that was like 700 days ago. What is going on? How is it possible for a fugitive and two little girls to just vanish? There is no record of the girls in school, no medical records, no sightings, nothing. And just because they know their kidnapper doesn't make this situation any less dangerous. According to the vice president of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Missing Children Division, he says that stigma can actually hinder recovery. He says it's a myth that family abductions aren't harmful. In fact, they're the second most common type of missing child cases and make up more than 60% of Amber Alerts. We've all, as reporters, have responded to the Amber Alerts, so that does make sense to me. But the truth is, every single day the girls are gone, detectives say the situation gets more urgent. Rex has hired a private investigator twice over the years and has completely put his life on hold just to try to find his little girls. He knows it may only take one good lead to bring his girls home, so he's not giving up. Next, hear why he's begging you to keep your eyes open and his message directly to his little girls. As Ronnie said, pull out the Kleenex because you're going to need it. You're listening to Crimecasters Network. I am now joined by John Rex, although he goes by Rex, the father of the two missing little girls. Rex, thank you so much for being with us today. I can't tell you what it means to us. Thank you for having me on. The raw emotion, uh, just even looking at you with that Christmas tree behind you, um, I have tissues near me and I'm going to try to be professional, but this is one of those rare cases where it's impossible to not feel the emotion that you're feeling the the closest way that i can describe it is there's an old movie called groundhog day with bill murray and my life is like groundhog day but directed by wes craven like a horror version of the same thing every single day i wake up and i should be waking my daughters up to take them to, to go to school unfortunately there's no kids to wake up you know um and then it's like throughout the day, it's like, you know, when I'm when I'm making lunch or making dinner, it's like, well, 
there's no places being set for my daughters because I already know they're not going to be here for dinner. And then when I lay down at night and I'm going and I try to go to sleep, it takes me forever to go to sleep at night because all I keep thinking about when I'm laying down is where are my daughters laying down at? What kind of environment are they in right now? How are they being treated? Are they okay? Are they sick? Are they safe? And it's like, you know, it's just a daily, it's literally a horror movie from start to finish every single day. You talk a lot about time, but you know something I've noticed about you. You don't talk about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You talk about 375 days, 376 days since my girls have been gone. That's how you view time now. The reason why is because I need my daughters to know that not a day went by that I didn't think of them. When Christmas came, they got gifts. They just weren't here to open them. I didn't miss it. I didn't miss a holiday. I didn't miss a Christmas. I didn't miss a birthday. I didn't miss an Easter. They got Easter baskets. They've got Christmas gifts. They even got Valentine's Day gifts. You know, they got every holiday, every birthday. They just got more stuff that's just been piling up. You know, and I want them to know that it wasn't like when they went missing, they were forgotten about. They're definitely not forgotten about. They'll never be forgotten about. And that's why I said, I'll continue doing everything that I can every day of my life to find my children. Tell us about Hannah and Skye. They are probably two of the sweetest, smartest girls that I that you'll ever run into like you know and and it's and it's funny they do have their differences in personalities um Hannah was at least as of two years ago um Hannah was more introverted whereas Sky was an extrovert you know so they have their differences um you know Hannah's much more I would say quiet than, than Sky is I need to ask you a really tough question because in order for somebody to hide children this long it means they're not out there doing the normal things they're not going to doctors they're not being going to school they're not around other people how concerned are you for their safety over the past two years while people have been dying of a global pandemic my daughters haven't even been in to go see a doctor that's concerning um i, I am very concerned over their well-being at this point in time not to mention, you, you touched on another one, schools. There's no record of my daughters being in a formal educational program or being in a homeschooling program. And there's no doubt in my mind that their kidnapper is doing everything she possibly can right now to avoid being found um, by law enforcement. There's also no doubt in my mind that she has help. There's no way that somebody can take two kids and disappear for two years without having somebody to help her. What would you say to those people that are helping her? I don't know if I have a whole lot to say to anybody who is involved in the kidnapping of my children. Um, I will say this, I will do whatever it takes to find my children. I will never stop looking for my kids. I will work with whatever law enforcement agency I have to. I will work with whoever I have to to ensure that anyone who had anything to do with my daughter's kidnapping is prosecuted. Why didn't they issue an Amber Alert? I mean- Oh, I'm sorry. 
when you mention Amber Alert, those two words trigger me. Those two words are an absolute trigger for me because I called the state police when this first happened. And I'll never forget speaking to a corporal at the state police department and having this corporal tell me, well, we're not gonna issue an Amber Alert because we know who the kidnapper is. The kidnapper is a parent and you can't prove that your kids are in imminent danger. Your girls are seven and nine now. We know that that age group is very technologically advanced if they yeah. have access still to their tablets. On the chance that they're seeing this right now, they have to be curious what happened to daddy. If they're able, if they're at that age where they can Google it and find this interview, send a message to your girls. What do you want to say to them? That I love you and I'm looking for you. I'm not going to stop. I'll never give up. I'm here where you should be. I can't wait until the day that you come home. You got a bunch of presents to unwrap. We got a bunch of stuff that, you know, we got to do. We haven't done in the past couple of years. Go to Disney, see the princesses, you know, go get those manicures and pedicures. I just want to make sure that you girls are safe. I want to make sure that you're home in an environment where you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You don't have to worry about anything bad happening. I just, honestly, I love you girls and I want you home more than anything else in this world. Let's end on a positive note. Sky and Hannah are reunited with you and they are behind you opening up their gifts. Is that something that you dream of every night? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. I, you know, and not so much even them opening their gifts. Like I know that's something that they're going to look forward to. I know that's something that's going to make them happy, you know, but honestly, all I look forward to is hearing the, their voice again. All I look forward to, to is feeling their hugs again. You know, um, it's so much more than the material things. It's, it, it, it's every aspect of having a child as a parent. And that's why I tell people all the time, you know what, hug your kids a little bit more today. <laughs> and uh, don't ever take a minute for granted because time is the one thing that we can never get back. I just missed the last two years of my daughter's life. I can't flip a switch and make them go back to five and seven when the kidnapping began. They're seven and nine now. And I just have to accept that there's a two year void. There's a two year period that is missing, you know? And I fully understand that even my youngest at seven is probably going to be a little bit too big now for shoulder rides. I used to put her up on my shoulder. We'd walk around at Disney park. You know, I used to put her up on the shoulder to watch the fireworks at night. There may be no more shoulder rides, you know? So I'm really looking forward to the day where my daughters come home and we can start doing those activities again. We can start doing those fun things again. We can start, you know, going to the park just to hear my daughters laugh, you know, just to see them smile. Like the little things that we just take for granted all the time are huge. You know, Rex, we go through the motions of everyday carpool, soccer practice, school, activities, dinner. And I think you have given us such a beautiful reminder not to take those things for granted. I know there's a lot of parents watching this right now 
their hearts and prayers go out to you and they're gonna hug their children a little tighter tonight. So thank you so much for sharing your story and being with us. And we're not gonna give up looking for Hannah and Skye. We really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for covering my daughter's story. Thank you so much for helping to get their faces out there. And again, all I can ask people to do is just please, please, please make the phone call and help me save my daughters. Continue the conversation with your hosts, Alicia and Ronnie, on any of your favorite social media platforms. Find us at Crimecasters and let's talk true crime. Now is the time of the show where we go off script and have the conversations we do while we're investigating the cases. Alicia, I (laughs) I am crying. I'm crying. I admit it. I know. And this one's a little bit different for us because we actually didn't talk about this case a lot uh, while you were digging into it and doing the interviews. So first I have to say is um, we've seen this in some of our stories in the past. The stigma around fathers when it comes to custody cases. Mm-hmm. I feel like this really kind of played a role in this case. Absolutely. And I think there is this thing about custody. We know more oftentimes the mother gets sole custody in sole custody cases, but there are always reasons behind that, right? So this custody dispute got ugly. And Rex is the first one to say he was willing to do what was best for the kids, which he believed were to still see mom. But when the judge ruled he got sole custody, she made that impossible. She was not going to have that. So I will say I did a dive into the court records. Yes, (laughs) I saw that. You keep sending them. There's a lot. So um, while this is your case, sometimes I'm just like, I have questions. What about this? What about that? And their relationship, they had a rocky relationship. And Alicia, as reporters, we've, oh my gosh, we've been at the center of these cases. And I remember I used to have to manage the tip line in the investigative unit. And so many of these custody cases would come in. I'd be like, I don't want to touch it. I just don't want to touch it. because It's hard. And sometimes people just want someone to listen, right? So I know we've all answered those reporter calls where it's like, Three hours later, your deadline's coming up, and you really want to hear the story, but you're like, I wish there was something we could do for you, but until it is resolved. But this is different, you know, and and the Center for Missing and Exploited Children talks a lot about these type of abductions because they really do say, listen, it's not just physical harm, right? and we don't know if these kids are safe or not, but it is the mental damage that they are going through because are they hiding underground? Are they allowed to be around anybody? You know, what type of conditions are they are they living in? What are they being told about dad? We know that when these type of situations end after a long period of time, these kids have to go through intensive therapy because they're going back to dad. Who knows what mom's been telling them about dad and now they're gonna be living with him. So, you know, Rex says he's in therapy also. And he is learning what to do, how to reconnect with his girls on the hopes that they do come home and he's able to work through this. My first question is, I don't understand why they didn't issue. Oh, I am upset about that. They told him that, 
you know, we don't know that they're in imminent danger. We have to believe this was the very beginning of lockdown. There were a lot of departments that didn't have a lot of staffing, right? And you're wondering, did he just talk to the wrong person? And he kept trying to get an Amber Alert. Even 100 days after, when he found out they were in a different car, he was like, but at the beginning, he knew the VIN number, the car. It was, we were, I mean, literally an hour after they were abducted. Or who knows when she took them. It could have been in the middle of the night. Um, But she had to have, we know from police, that she packed up as much as she could. So he believes she was preparing for this for a while. But I believe that Amber Alert could have saved the girls. Right. There's been a lot of controversy around the Amber Alert system. And when do they issue it? When do they not issue it? And every state kind of has different rules and regulations. And just looking at this on the surface, but you know what's hard for me on this case is to think about you're at the beginning of the pandemic, and what happened then? Schools closed down. People sheltered exactly. indoors. We're not outside. We're not traveling. A kidnapper's dream. So <laughs> where does he think they are? Well, so she has some connections to the D.C. area, and so they've kind of concentrated on there. We know she ditched the car in Virginia. And we know she began in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Rex actually lives in Florida. That is where he's always lived and he still lives there. So it's very difficult because he's trying to track things, you know, just doing his own amateur sleuth type stuff online. But he was the one who found the car. But can you imagine? How is he able to track the VIN number? Does it, is he like a, um, he just, is he a car salesperson? No, but he just kept putting the VIN in and it popped up on a used car site. Huh. Yeah. So That's apparently some of them put up, uh, you, want to, you want to get tips for future <laughs> investigations, don't you? He You're could right. probably but, give you some. But I, yeah, trust me when I say I, I have found more than my fare of uh, stolen cars, boats, well, you and are jet the, skis You are the, the stolen boat guru. Because of your background with the ATF, I don't really know how the feds work, but I know the reputation U.S. Marshals have, and it's like, you better watch out. If U.S. Marshals are involved, how have they not found these two little girls? I'm surprised uh, just like you are because, you know, they um, they do track down, on average, 337 fugitives a day. Wow. Every law enforcement agency um, across the country uses and utilizes their skills. And when I was with ATF, we have relied on them numerous times to try to track down some of our fugitives and even in like crisis situations. I don't want to give away their investigative um, techniques, but they are very thorough. So what's surprising to me in this case is that it's a mom with two kids. So what is happening here? Because it's one thing to be an individual and go on the lam, a little bit easier to go under the radar, kind of live off the grid, which is becoming increasingly difficult in this stage of the digital age, right? So With cameras, literally, CCTV literally everywhere, ring cameras, everything. Well, and just a phone number tracks you Mm -hmm. everywhere, cameras everywhere. 
So I'm with you in that I find it surprising that the U.S. Marshals have not been able to find them. That means that she has people that are helping her. Yes. Um, if she is working, she's not doing it on the books. No. Um, and Rex, I shared with you all of the things that she's done in the past that Rex sent to us. You know, she really has a history of working kind of off the record. So she's already prepared for that. And that's one of the things that even if she was kind of street savvy is what we would call it and able to connect with people to get uh, social security numbers like you can buy those on the black market and this, that, the other and kind of get a new identity. It's easier for one person, but not for a mom and two kids. But I think what's helped in this is the COVID crisis because so many kids have dropped out of school. No one's tracking them. There aren't the questions raised that maybe would have been raised prior to say, no, I'm homeschooling them. Well, one thing I know is somebody knows something. Somebody out there knows something. And like I said to Rex, I believe these girls someday, maybe it won't be today or tomorrow, they will Google their names. They know their names. They know their real names. If she's changed their names, they're going to find possibly this and watch their dad speak with them and their message. And we just pray that they tell somebody who they are and get help because they need to get out of whatever situation so they're in. How old again were they? When seven they went... and nine now, five and seven at the time. So they know who they are. Yes, they know who they are. They know their names. They're very smart girls and they're tech savvy. They've been using tablets from the time they were babies. So they know how to use these tools. Someone knows where they are. I know. And we need to bring them home. Who is handling this case? Because when you start to talk about going across state lines, it can get confusing for people. Yeah. So again, investigators believe she may be in the D.C. area or at least that vicinity, there have to be people helping her. Like we said, Waynesboro, Pennsylvania PD is handling the case locally. So you can call them if you have any information. But of course, dial 911. Uh, that's on the missing poster, dial 911. And just speak with whoever answers because we don't know where they are. And of course, we're going to put the uh, pictures up up. Hannah, Sky, and Lashada Lee on our website. If you see anyone that possibly looks like them, you could hold the key to this case and bring them home safely. It just takes one new lead. And we always like to end the show talking about the people that we are talking about today. And that is Hannah and Sky. Your daddy loves you so much if you are listening to this. Again, please, all of you listeners, take a look at our website, look at our social, look at the beautiful princesses, Hannah and Skye, so we can bring them home.